Would you pray for our time and worship in the word? Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have to come together today to yes, Lord. meet together, God, to worship you, God, to come together in prayer, to hear your word, God, from your servant, Lord. Yes, Father. I pray, God, that we would never take that for granted, that we would always come with a humble heart, with the desire for obedience, Lord. God, as always, we lift up those who don't have that right and that privilege, Lord, that you would encourage them this day, God. Father, as we enter into this time, I pray, God, that there would be no distractions, Lord. Father, that our eyes and our hearts would be focused and fixed upon you and you alone, Lord. So, Father, would we come with an expectant heart and with a heart of gratitude, for what you brought us from and where you have us now, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
You bring me up to new heights My animal speed Comes to life You bring me up to new heights Now I see what you see
still bless you. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of my trial, I'll still bless you. In the middle of the road, when I don't know where to go, I'll still bless you. In the middle of my storm, in the middle of my trial, I'll still bless you.
Thank you, Father, that in you all things are new. The old has passed away. We are your beloved if we are in Christ. Oh, how I pray today, God, that we would find comfort in that truth. That you have adopted us into your family. That you have given us the right to call you Abba. To call you Daddy. Father, thank you that your love endures forever. Thank you, Father, that you're slow to anger. We thank you, Father, for your mercy and for your grace. We thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning, Lord, and rather watching Facebook Live or being here in the home. We just thank you, Father, for this opportunity to open up your word. Father, let us not take it for granted. Father, we know that we have brothers and sisters throughout the earth, Father, that are not able to gather. Father, they don't even have the complete Bible. They just have verses, scrap paper. But Father, we have your the whole council. So many translations. Oh, how I pray, God, that we wouldn't take it for granted, but that we would have a hunger and a thirst to devour it. Father, to share it, to grow in it, Lord. And ultimately know how to use it, Father. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would have your way among us. Breathe afresh and anew upon us, Father. That we may be about your business in these trying days and in the days to come, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. We're going to start, as we have been from the beginning of the year, the three R's that I placed before us and challenging us for this new year. So the three R's, the first one is repentance. And the definition that I've given us for that is the action of repenting, a sincere regret or remorse. And the scripture that I've tied to that, to repentance, is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. For this kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow lacks repentance and results in spiritual death. And as I've been encouraging us, repentance should be our lifestyle. It's just not a a one-time prayer. No, it's a lifestyle. The Holy Spirit convicts us as as we are maturing, as we are growing. And as I've been encouraging us, our goal isn't perfection because we're not perfected until we are with Him. But until then, we ought to be maturing. God's not finished with us. And He is faithful to complete what He has begun in us. And so this process of sanctification, this process of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we're called not to live lives that grieve Him. No, we're called to live lives to walk in Him, to walk with Him. The Word of God says if we walk habitually in the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And now the enemy loves to come and to torment us, to keep us shackled and with shame and guilt and condemnation. But we must remember that Jesus tells us that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life and life in abundance. Life in abundance. 
This freedom that is found in Christ and only in Christ. Oh, how our eyes need to be open and our ears need to hear what the Spirit is saying, especially in the days in which we are living. And I've been sharing with you all over the past few years that the days are getting darker. The days are getting darker upon this earth. And people have asked, well, then what is the good news then? Because we always hear you say doom and gloom. What is the good news? The good news is the church is still here. The church is still here. We are to be the light. We are to be burning bright. We are to be growing closer and closer to our Savior and becoming to be more looking like Him. So as we're going out into the darkened world, we're not in fear. We're not, we're, not, we're not to be overwhelmed. We're not to be anxious for anything. No, we're to be about our Father's business. And repentance is vital to a believer's life. We ought to not give ground to the enemy or ground to the flesh. We're not to be enticed or lured away by the world. No, when the Holy Spirit brings a conviction in our life, we ought to be falling on our knees and repenting. And turning from that which is in complete rebellion towards God. Complete rebellion towards God. Remember, I've been telling it's, it's your choice to sin. It's our choice. It's not because of something, what people did, or this or that, or all the excuses that we can make. No, it's our choice. Having a bad attitude, whatever it may be, whatever it is that we ought to know that we ought not to have anything to do with. (laughs) We ought to turn from it, and we should have a godly sorrow. Until we truly see sin as God sees it, (laughs) we're going to continue to be a slave to it. But oh, how I pray that we would be awakened and we, would be re- and we would be reminded that we're no longer to be slaves to sin because now we're slaves to righteousness. He's a holy God. And he's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Our lives are no longer our own. And I keep encouraging us as the word of God encourages Christians. The call of a disciple uh, to, to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow him. Like Christians, you're to think of others before you think of yourself. Self shouldn't be on the throne. (laughs) And self, whatever it may be, your religious works are sinful (laughs) if they're motivated by yourself, if they're motivated to bring glory and honor to you. And we've been exposing the religious spirit for quite some time when we're together. It's not anything that you can do. It's all what Christ has done. (laughs) It's all what Christ has done. And so we, we've got to get to the, to the reality that we have to be mindful. That again, uh, the, we're not battling against flesh and blood. No, we're battling against the rulers and the principalities and the air and the darkness. And in and of ourselves, we cannot defeat that. <laughs> no, we would be enslaved to him. And to his rule and to his reign. But praise be to God. <laughs> Jesus has conquered him. Jesus is victorious. Jesus has risen. Jesus is alive. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And we now, as his followers, as his children, as his people, we pray and we live from a place of victory, not from defeat. And so just because you're sensing uh, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, don't have a defeatist mentality. Oh, look, 
I'm a bad Christian. I can't do anything right. Oh, this, oh, that. And it just draws us further and further away from fellowship with God and from fellowships with the saints because we're just not measuring up. But the devil is a liar. <laughs> because when you start recognizing that's how you're thinking, you recognize, wait a minute, I'm just focusing on myself. I bought into a lie that's not real. God loves me. <laughs> He loved me yet though I was in complete rebellion towards him and his love hasn't changed for me. So he's bidding me to come. Come out from that and come into me. This life and life in abundance. The second R is to resolve. To decide firmly on a course of action to make up one's mind. Romans 6, verse 11 through 12. So you also should consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires to resolve. Once you repent, resolve. Make up your mind. Be determined to go a different way. <laughs> and that's the way of the Lord. It's the way of the Lord. You are dead to sin, but alive in Christ has nothing to do with what you can accomplish. It is all what Christ has accomplished. Do you believe? <laughs> do you believe? Your eyes have been opened. Have you made up your mind to, to take every thought captive <laughs> and to bring it under his lordship? Because remember, how does he transform us? By changing the way we think. And so you have to give thought to your thoughts. You have to give thoughts to your thoughts because as you think, so you go. So I want to encourage us in this hour, in this day, in the days to come that we are discerning the times in which we are living and it can't be church like it used to be. It can't be the humdrum Christian life as we all got so comfortable with before. No, it's a whole new world. If we haven't seen it, oh, how I pray that we will begin to see it. It is a whole new world. And Christians, we better get up and we better start preparing for what is ahead. We're started a, a, a study in Revelation and we're only into the first two churches. But oh dear God, if you haven't read the book of Revelation lately, please go and start reading it. There is a message there for the church today. <laughs> And for the church tomorrow, as it's been a message for the church before us. I know we all want the heavenly walk, the, 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 the peace walk, that there's no pressure and, and there's nothing on us. We all can just have our, our worship and everything is just easy and flowing. But that is not what God has called us to. That is not what God has called us to. We have got to apply truth to our lives in order to be able to stand and stand there for them. I love it when Scripture reminds us, after you've done all you know to do, then stand. <laughs> and stand there for them, dressed in his armor. It's not by our might. It's not by our power. <laughs> but it's by him through us. We have to make up our minds, you all. Who are we believing? Who are we serving? You're either serving God or you're serving self. And those who are trapped by serving self, their father is the devil. I mean, that's not, Jesus didn't mince words, you all. 
Don't forget the religious people of his day. The men that were leading, quote unquote, God's people in that time, Jesus looked at him then and said, your father is the devil. He says, you travel far to win many converts, but you make them twice as much the son of hell as you are. This is Jesus speaking. He didn't come to them serving them muffins and hugs. He didn't come, you know, uh, just watering down who he is just so that they're comfortable. No, he exposed them for who they were. And remember, the multitudes were following Jesus. And as Jesus began to transition in his ministry to begin to really point them to who he is, you have to eat of my flesh and you have to eat of my, drink of my blood. When he began to lay this spiritual foundation, what did the multitude do? They looked at him and they said, this is too hard for us to understand. And they turned and they went back. And then Jesus looked at the twelve and said, are you leaving too? And remember, the, the reply was, where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. You see, they made up their mind. Like we're in it. They, have, they didn't fully understand. They probably had their own, you know, mindset of possibly who he may be. But it doesn't matter. They made up their mind. <laughs> Where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. There's nothing back here for us. There's nothing back here. So we have to make up our minds. The third R is to release. The act of setting free or letting go. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Are you letting it go, you all? It's vital. And I shared it with you last week. I'm going to remind us again this week. If you're having a hard time releasing, if you're having a hard time letting things go, letting people go, Letting unforgiveness go. Letting whatever it is that you know, you know that you know you need to let go is because you have not repented. (laughs) And you have not resolved. You have not made up your mind. And so it's no wonder why you can't release. And you're stuck. God doesn't want you stuck. You see, we are to be fully functioning as the body of Christ. And all of us are needed. You see, the Spirit of God has distributed His gifts among the church. And we are the body of Christ. And we're all needed. We all need to be healthy members of the body of Christ to accomplish what He has called us to do. Oh, this is so much greater than God paying my bills. This is so much greater than God healing my diseases. This is so much greater than God do this and do this and do this for me, my family, and I. No, it is about Him and His kingdom and His power and His glory. And He is moving throughout the earth. And I've been encouraging us uh, the level of persecution that is upon this earth is unlike anything we've ever seen before. Like anything we've ever seen before. And it's getting worse. And it's getting worse. But God is great. <laughs> and God is good. And God is bringing about His purpose and His plan in His time. And remember from the beginning what I've encouraged us until the end. From Genesis to Revelations. What is God's plan? What is God's purpose? That he will have a people that he will call his own. And in return, they will call him 
their God? Is he your God today? Are you repentant? Are you resolving? Are you releasing daily? Are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you seeking him with your whole heart? Are you loving him with your whole heart? It's not about having a form of religion. Because remember the people that were called to have nothing to do with. The people who have a form of religion yet deny his power. People who say they know God, they love God, but yet there's no transformation in their life. Have nothing to do with them. He doesn't tell us to stay away from the world, from the lost. He tells us to stay away from the religious. The lukewarm. That sit among us. You see, the church has been infiltrated since day one. And the church has been reminded over and over and over and over again that there will be false teachers, there will be false gospels. There's an all-out assault on the church. And we don't have time to wall around in our feelings, <laughs> in our emotions. No, listen, I keep telling you, we're behind enemy lines. And a good soldier, the Bible tells us, does not get entangled in civilian warfare. No, he is pleased to do as he has been called by the one he serves. And oh, how I pray. Oh, how I pray that you are committed to Christ. Oh, how I pray. You know, I, I've been sharing and, and, and telling us lately, you know, um, in hopes, and I said last week, I'm going to keep bringing it before us because I'm really hoping that we really uh, grasp what, what the Spirit of God is doing throughout the earth. We have brothers and sisters, again, that got up sometime today on the other side of the world, and they gathered their families around. Little Johnny, little, little Sarah... We're going to church. We're, we're going to praise Jesus and worship Jesus with the body of Christ. But babies, we may not make it home tonight. You may not make it home tonight. They may kick down the door and take mommy out. They may take daddy out. Little Johnny, they may take you out. They may beat you and brutally torture you. But do not deny Christ. Do not deny Christ. Love him. There's couples that got up this morning. Before they walked out the door, they looked at each other. This may be the last day we see each other. Do not deny Christ. And they go to their underground churches or wherever they meet. And they worship freely. They worship freely without restraint. They worship freely. They, they hear the word, they apply the word, they live the word in communities and places where they are told they're not allowed. They inspire me. They inspire me. Their faith inspires me. I say, God... Oh, how I pray that the Western church would awaken. And I believe there's an awakening taking place more so now than ever in the Western church today. I believe that people are awakening. They are sensing that something is off. Something is wrong. 
And if our government and, and, and the way things are going continues to go in the way they're going, we're going to lose as Christians more and more of the freedoms that we have in our nation. And then what, what are we going to do? Just sit around and whine and complain about it? Oh, no, no, no. We are children of God. We are children of the kingdom of God. The gates of hell shall not prevail. And we ought to better get up and know who he is and who we are in him. We better start living from a place of victory and throw off the sin that so easily entangles us so we may be about our father's business to accomplish his purpose. And this generation, you see, because each of us were created for this day. And I've been encouraging you, if you have breath in this day and the days to come, you are not an accident. You were purposed for such a time as this. You were purposed for the chaos and the darkness of this generation. You were purposed, God says in his word, that he created us to do good works. (laughs) Are you doing good works? Are you doing good works? Or has your life just become your life? (laughs) Me, myself, and I. My troubles, my sorrows, my family, my financial problems, my health. (laughs) Oh, how we got to get our eyes off of us and onto him. Yes, does he provide? Yes. Does he heal? Yes. Does he care for our families? Yes. (laughs) We know that about him. You can walk in confidence in that. But we got to get up, you all. We got to get up. I want us to go, before we get into our scriptures, I got some more scriptures for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 15. I've prepared a good meal for us this morning. I hope you came hungry for the Word of God. We are studying through the Old Testament, and we're going through a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, a a psalm or two, and then a couple of nuggets of wisdom and Proverbs. But we just started the book of Judges. And, oh, I've read Judges before, but this time, and, and I guess it's just the day and age in which we are living, I go, dear God, do we need to read Judges again and to meditate on the truths that are found in the book of Judges? But I want us to take us to, to 1 Corinthians and a few other scriptures in hopes to remind us. And, and these aren't scriptures that are foreign to us because I believe I brought them to us before. But I want us to chew on them again, a little, a little appetizer before the, the full course meal that's going to come. But I want us to, to look at these again to be encouraged of why it's important that we study the Old Testament. I know churches nowadays want, want to throw the Old Testament aside. <laughs> but oh dear God... <laughs> God help us. God help us. We need the entire word of God, not just the word that we want. And so look at what the scriptures say here. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 15. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Oh God, Do not miss that. God was not pleased with most of them. 
and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happen as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan rivalry and we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. <laughs> These were God's people back in the day. God delivered them. God was among them. God was moving them forward. <laughs> He revealed himself to them time and time and time again. And yet, and yet we see that in and of themselves, they were saying he's not enough. And, and I said to us all the time, it, it's us. It, it's not God. That ha there's not a problem we're going to find with God. God. There's nothing. There's no error found in God. Error is found in us, the, the created. We are the ones rebelling against him. I know people have all these accusations and they want to lie, throw all this stuff against him, but they don't stick because there's no error found in him. He's God. He's holy. He is just. He is righteous. He's good. Error is found in us. And if we give over to all the stuff that is set before us, if we feast, off of everything that is before us that our nature desires, <laughs> then we deserve wrath. <laughs> we, we deserve to be slaughtered for our rebellion. <laughs> but praise be to God, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Praise be to God that God made a way <laughs> that we don't have, we don't have to bear his wrath. Jesus took it. And so we're not to make light of it. We're not to strip him down to make him common. And we're not to strip his blood from its power and make it useless. No. We are new creations. We have been born again. We are living in Christ and for Christ. And so we're not to fall prey like those who are still yielding to themselves. Uh, the Bible tells us where does sin come from? It comes from the desires that are from within. And we're not to be living based on that any longer. That is of the old. I love verse 6. Highlight it, circle it, look at it, meditate upon it. These things happen as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. Verse 9. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then die from snake bites. And don't grumble, oh God, listen to that, as some of them did. And then were destroyed by the death angel. These things happen to them as examples for us. They are written down to warn us who live, look at that, at the end of the age. Oh goodness, take a look at that again. <laughs> they were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. <laughs> oh, we've got to be as innocent as a dove and wise as serpents. <laughs> 
We got to be able to discern the times. We got to be able to know how to walk in truth and in light. We've got to depend not upon ourselves to be a good Christian. No, we've got to depend on the Holy Spirit whom we have been given God himself in us. And I love when scripture reminds us he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. Oh, there's been many seasons in my life when I had to remind myself of that because in and of myself I would rather sit and have my pity party. Oh God, it's so hard. Oh God, this other works hard. Oh God, oh God, oh God, where are you? And then when I put that scripture up before all the oh God, like he's giving me everything I need to live a godly life. What are you doing here? Get up! Get up! Some of us just need to get up. We need to get up and we need to look up. Our help comes from the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. And I love this encouragement that we're finding here. He goes on, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Temptation, remember, I keep encouraging us, is not sin. It's when you give in to it. Stand against temptation. Take thoughts captive. Expose the fruitless deeds of the darkness. But what's the church going to think? What are you going to think? What if I reach out to a brother and a sister and I tell them what's tempting me? How are they going to look at me? Oh, God, we need to get our eyes off the religion and the church. And remember I said last week, we all have, we all have that excuse. The church, the church, the church, the church. And we all just tear down with our words and with our thoughts. But oh, how the Lord corrected me years ago. You better be mindful not to talk about his bride. Now, if you want to expose the religious, so be it. But you start talking about his bride and you're no different than Satan. Who accuses her. Day after day after day after day. But his accusations cannot stand. Because Christ has purified her. So let him exhaust himself. But please do not be in agreement with him. Mind your words. We have issues with the church. But the reality, it's not the issues with the church. The issue is you. It's you. It's you. You don't know about that. You don't know that. You don't know you're not standing for truth. You don't know that you're not standing. Oh, but if I stand with you, what are they going to say? Would you just endure? Why aren't you enduring? You see, perseverance and endurance, the Word of God says, must finish its work so that you're complete, not lacking anything. Will we stop being crybabies over trials? Will we stop being, oh, but the mean people, they're, they're hypocrites. So, so what? The world is chaos. The church is infiltrated. And you don't think the devil wants you out of the church? 
No, you belong in the church. And endure. And endure. Stand up. Yes, are there issues? Is there a perfect church? No. But Jesus tells us it's not perfect. I mean, look at the letters he wrote to them. <laughs> look at the letters he wrote to them. So come on, let's get beyond this and let's be people who are enduring. Like each and every single day, endure, get up, dress for battle. Know your God. Worship your God. Yes, are we going to have seasons where we're at mountaintops where, you know, praise be to God. God is good and God is great. And, oh, I feel like I am just blessed and highly favored. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, you're going to have seasons like that. But that is rare. The majority of your Christian life is in the valley. Oh, God. I'm with you to the end. Satan has asked us. I prayed for you. I'm going to turn you over and you're going to be in prison and you're going to suffer. But consider it joy. These are Jesus' words. And we've grown close accustomed to this. Oh, praise the Lord. Jesus. But he endures to the end will be saved. I mean, God knows Who's with him and who's against him? He knew these people back in the days as he was delivering them. He knew what type of people they were. He knows what type of people we are. And that's why we're reminded the idolatry of Israel, it's saved for us as a warning. I know. We all like to think that Jesus trumped God. People say, why do you keep saying that? Because it's a lie that we've believed. That the enemies come in and somehow Jesus did away with God. How can he do away with himself? No, 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 no. Jesus came to deliver us. You know, the Bible says he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And some people use that and they say, well, see, 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 Jesus doesn't condemn. God doesn't condemn. God accepts me for who I am. I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. God is love. Oh. But you realize that's a lie. You realize that's half truth. And wherever there's half truth, there's deception. You know, I've encouraged us that when you're sharing with people and you're talking to people, yeah, get out there and start talking to people. This is a right season to have spiritual conversations with people. Huh. And you ask them, does God love you? Yes, God loves me. But take it a step further with them. What about Jesus? Who's Jesus? You see, Jesus says, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Because the, the next part of that scripture that people don't like to see is because the world already stands condemned. Even in the midst of God's love for you, apart from Christ, you're condemned. 
and you are going to be swallowed up in the wrath of God. That's what we're talking about, y'all. You see, there's that appointed day and the hour (laughs) where his wrath is unleashed. And Jesus talks about it. And yet the enemy (laughs) is working overtime to confuse people on who Jesus is. And that's why the church is needed. Because we bear his image. That's the responsibility you have as a Christian. And as we learned on Friday night, being called a Christian is really not a good word. It's an insult. The world labeled people back in the early church because they looked like Jesus. They acted like Jesus. They served like Jesus. They loved like Jesus. They didn't co-mingle with the world like they, like religious people do. No, Jesus stood apart. And those who are in him, they stand apart. And so it was an insult. Oh, those Christians. Oh, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. (laughs) Listen to what the word of God is saying. So dear friends, flee from worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourself if what I am saying is true. Go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 18. Bible? Yes. <laughs> you have me that brown Bible right there? Yeah. I'm not going to impact No, no, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 18. And we're still just at the appetizer portion of our meal today. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 18. So, we must live very carefully, I'm sorry, we must listen very carefully to truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes you think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered us, delivered to us by those who speak for him? Did you hear that? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever, whenever he chose. And and furthermore, it is not angels who control the future world we are talking about. For in one place, scriptures say, What are mere mortals that you should think about them, or a son of man that you should care for him? Yet for a little while you made them a little lower than the angels, and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen, look at this, all these things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. 
God from whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring, look at this, many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him that is I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could, the, could he break the power, oh my goodness, of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Oh, how the church should say amen. amen. This is our God. This is the one who has redeemed his people. Are you in Christ today? Are you in Christ today? I'm not worried about your church attendance. I'm not worried about your baptism. I'm not worried about your good works. What I'm concerned about is, are you in Christ? Have you been liberated from the old man, from the old woman? Are you living for him? Because of Christ, we live. We're freed from the power of sin and the power of death. So don't be yoked to it any longer. Call it out. Expose it. Know your God. And we should be eager to be out there sharing the gospel. Because the other captives need to hear. The other captives not only need to hear, but they need to see a life transformed by the power of God, not by religious works. But by the power of God, something is different about you. They should see it. <laughs> and when you fall and you slip up in front of them, they should see you get up and keep moving on. Instead of turning back and going back. There's nothing back there. Remember, if you're in Christ, you have already staked claim. You hold the words to eternal life. Where can we go? Chapter 3 there in Hebrews. And so, dear brothers and sisters, who belong to God? Oh, come on. Underline that. Highlight that. Put that in your, on your mirror this week. <laughs> Our partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest, for he was faithful to God. 
who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus, oh, come on, deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful to, in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. Come on. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Oh, let's hear that again. And we are God's house. Underline that. Circle that. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness. <laughs> there, your ancestors tested and tried my patience. Even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, so I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, in the church today. <laughs> Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day. Oh, not just some days, not just when you want to. No, but every day. <laughs> While it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For we, for if, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says today: when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard His voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. <laughs> Come on. We have got to stop carving him out to be who we want him to be. <laughs> He's God. He's faithful to himself, to his word, to his plan. And no man is going to thwart it. It's all in place. It's all in place. Let's finish our appetizer. Hebrews 4, verse 1 through 13. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. And the church should say, Amen. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For God's sakes, he's writing to the church. This is being read to the church. 
we already know the lost, they're not going to experience it. Oh God, his promise for his rest still stands for those who are in Christ. And we ought to fear. We ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in Scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the world in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua has succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail or fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than, I'm sorry, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our and, and innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Oh, goodness, God is good. And God is gracious, and God is kind, and God is loving. But he's also a God of justice, a God of wrath. And he's a God that honors his word. And we are to be a people that honor him and his word. And we ought to be a people that understand what we're up against every single day we get up. As you're going about your life, don't turn from him. Do not let your hearts be hardened when you hear his voice. That phrase alone, I pray, will just stay with us. That our hearts would not be hardened when we hear his voice. Oh, there's been seasons when my heart has been hardened towards him. And praise God for his steadfast love and his patience endurance as we're learning through judges you see we're, we're learning his character you know oh praise be to god he didn't just slap me go <laughs> that he is faithful I mean, i've shared the testimony before when i was done and i was out and i was ready to go <laughs> I had my bags packed i knew where i was going 
I got up, Gilda was sleeping, and I took the corner of the bed going to reach for the bedroom door to go out, to leave, to forsake God and everything. And it was the moment I took to reach for the door handle. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, what are you doing living? And my, hit the knee, my knees hit the ground. And I pleaded with God and I told God everything, this, that, and that, and this, and this, and that, and this, and that, and all the issues I had with him. Huh. And he just spoke so ever so gently. What are you doing living? You're a dead man. You belong to me. And in that moment, all the eyes and the knee and my life and my hurt and my pain and why did you allow this and why is this going on just melted away. And all I could do was look up at a holy God and say, God, I just want to love you. You see, we just have to get to the end of ourselves, you all. He's a loving, just, faithful God that he will not tolerate our disobedience. And we better not grow comfortable in our disobedience because we're listening to everything that affirms our disobedience. Oh, we better be mindful of whose voice we're listening to. The book of Judges. I'm not going to get the whole intro, intro like I did last week. But for those who weren't here, let me just give you Christ and Judges. How, how are we going to see Christ through this word? As the nation of Israel became increasingly immoral, this was reflected even in the Judges. Each successive judge had more flaws and fell further short of the ideal picture of a, of a leader than the judge before him. In addition, the deliverances they secured were short-lived periods of peace and rest in the land of Israel. These deficiencies encouraged the reader to yearn and long for the ultimate deliverer to usher in a final, listen to this word, rest for the people of God. In other words, the tenor of the entire period of Judges cries out, for this promised Messiah from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the one who will come and redeem his people forever. So the message and the purpose of this book, the book of Judges is about cycles, cycles of disobedience, discipline, repentance, and deliverance. The Israelites' disobedience brought God's discipline, but in each instance that the people repented, God raised up a judge to bring about deliverance. The generation after Joshua did not remain faithful to God, which led to the cultural decline and horrific sin. Judges show what happens to a society when it drifts away from following God and living in respect of his moral standards. Yet, Judges also offers hope. It shows how even, come on, in the darkest days, God can use men and women to accomplish his plan. Even though they are flawed themselves, the book serves as a warning that disaster will ultimately befall a people who reject God's kingdom's rule over them. And it emphasizes the necessity of repentance before God will intervene to deliver and restore them to a place of blessing. The book of Judges shows us that a, the nation of Israel survived the dark days of the judges entirely by the grace of God. In mercy, he sent oppressors as reminders of their rebellion. 
in mercy, he responded to their cries and raised up a deliverers. Judges also illustrate the fundamental problem of the human heart. When God's people forgot his saving acts, they go after other gods. Judges also illustrate the link between spiritual commitments and ethical conduct. In the end, the book of Judges illustrates the eternal truth. The Lord will build his kingdom in spite of our sin and rebellion. Ah, come on. The Lord will build his kingdom, you all. His kingdom. This is what we have been engrafted in. This is the hope and the good news that we carry. It's all about him. It's all about his kingdom. It's all about his glory. And it doesn't matter how dark the days get. (laughs) Be about his business. Yes, we all can see it. Yes, we all despise it. (laughs) But be on purpose through it. Oh, how I pray we heard that. Live for God. Because it's the normal person, the average person that God raises up in a time like today and the days to come to do his will and impact the world. So don't wait for, for those who have a huge platform to make a difference. <laughs> don't wait for those that, that have a mass following to make a difference. No, you make the difference. <laughs> you go. You answer the call. You say, yes, Lord. You intercede. You serve. You honor. You respect. You treasure. You store it up within yourself. And you share it with others. Let not a day go by. Not living on purpose. Oh, I love this commentary real quick from the Spurgeon Study Bible. From Judges chapter 2, verse 4. Certain persons thought God's requirement was too severe. That he was, after all, a mass of mercy. And that the best thing they could do was to be kindly tolerant of these Canaanites. And make the best terms they could with them. Perhaps it would be better to learn something of their civilization, their arts and sciences, and their theory of religion. For we ought to have liberal views and believe that there is latent truth in all forms of worship. So Israel said, let us enter into treaties with them and live with them. They did live with them and they fell for their ways. (laughs) Tolerances led to imitation. And Israel became as vile as the heathen the Lord had condemned. God have mercy upon his people of our day and the generations to come. He who has ears, have him here. Go to the book of Judges, chapter 1, verse 30 through chapter 3. Remember, they were told to clear out that land. And they refused to listen. They were handed over this land. God was for them. God was conquering it through them by his power and his power alone. But remember last week when we read, they were intimidated by the iron chariots. Instead of being motivated by God and how great God is and all that God has done and is doing, they were intimidated. They lost sight of who their God is. Oh, how we can learn. 
Stop being intimidated by what seems too big for us. Because again, it's not about us. <laughs> look at the situation. Look at the issue. Look at the chaos through the eyes of God. Nothing is too big for him. Nothing is. There's no need to cower down. There's no need to fear. There's no need to get overwhelmed or anxious or disheartened. I was sharing with someone the other day. I said, sometimes when you're praying and you're interceding for people, for nations, for whatever, it gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> you know? There's times when you prayed and boom, there's deliverance and God does something amazing. But the majority of the time, oh no, <laughs> you're laboring <laughs> in prayer. <laughs> you're laboring in prayer. You're getting up every single day and you're hoping and you're believing. And you're laboring in prayer. No matter how crazy and chaotic it may seem, no matter how far they seem to run from God, they can't outrun them. God is there. And God is great. And God is good. So be mindful. Be mindful. Be mindful, children of God, to be in agreement with God. And not get disheartened or get discouraged and start being in agreement with the enemy and his tactics and his plan. Oh no, when you see that your mind is shifting there and the words that are coming out of your mouth are shifting to that side, repent. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Take thoughts captive and get up and begin to push back. <laughs> if you haven't watched the Good War movie back in the days... And those Roman soldiers, they took up them shields and they advanced. Boom. And they moved in agreement. That's why you got to get some more believers around you to stand and begin to push back and take ground. It is not time to retreat and lose all the ground that you've taken through the power of God. No, you've got to stand and stand therefore and labor and move and push forward. We gotta live, you all. This isn't just about going to church. <laughs> Turning on Facebook Live. I went to church today. Who cares? The devil knows the word. <laughs> the demons tremble at it. <laughs> and we just sit and fall asleep in it. Come on, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. We do what we, I go to church. <laughs> I was baptized. <laughs> I said a little prayer. Well, good. <laughs> But you don't look like them. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. I've got to wake up. These people were told to get rid of them. But they didn't. And then do they not just get rid of them? They made excuses. And they said... We'll keep them as our slaves. We'll have some good use for them. Oh, see, you've got to be careful what, what you're allowing in your life. Uh, you've got to be careful of the, little, of, of the vices and the little sin and all that stuff that you're supposed to be driving out and you're saying, well, it actually could benefit me some way. Uh, be careful. We are not to be partakers of it. I'd be careful. So, so from 30 to the end of chapter 1, they kept all those people there with them. They didn't drive them out. 
They made them their slaves. They begin to interact with him. And we pick up, let's go to chapter 2. The angel of the Lord went up to Gilgad, to Bochum, and said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give your ancestors, and I said I would never break my covenant with you. For your part, you were not to make any covenants with the people living in this land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars. But you disobeyed my commandments. Why did you do this? So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides. And their gods will be constant temptation to you. When the angel of the Lord finished speaking to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they called the place Bochum, which means weeping, and they offered sacrifices there to the Lord. After Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. And the Israelites served the Lord, look at this, throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allotted in Tamath Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After, look at this, verse 16, highlight it, circle, I mean verse 10. After the generation died, another generation grew up, oh my goodness, who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. They didn't do as the Lord instructed them. Generations were rising up and they neglected the Lord. They neglected in telling the generation that was coming up after them who the Lord was. They did not honor living for God. And so an entire generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord. And the sad thing is, or remember the mighty things he has done for Israel. And the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the image of Baal. They, they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Astor. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to the enemies, to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated just as he had warned. And the people were in great distress. I'll think of Romans 1. As he did then, as he has done, and as he will continue to do. A sign of his wrath. Here, you want it? So be it. It'll lord over you. He turns it over. The created worships the created instead of worshiping the creator. You see, God is God, you all. And again, he is faithful to himself, 
to his word. We got to be mindful of what we're carving and worshiping. It doesn't have to be a physical idol. It could be what's up here. What do you think upon that is contrary to his truth? That's what you're serving. Don't be found serving another God. Honor him. Adore him. Love him. The first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. Love the Lord your God with all of your being. They neglected God. They turned from God. And the people were in great distress. Then, praise be to God, it doesn't just stop there. You see, I've always told you, whenever you hear of God's wrath, Right behind it is God's love. And then whenever you hear of God's love, right behind it is his wrath. It is who he is. He is just. He is good. He is God. So praise be to God, the story hasn't stopped. That day of rest is promised, and he's getting those who belong to him there. These people were in distress. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were hardened and by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, whoo, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel. He said, because these people have violated my covenant, which I made with their ancestors and have ignored my commands, I will no longer drive out the nations that Joshua left unconquered when he died. I did this to test Israel, to see whether or not they would follow the ways of the Lord as their ancestors ancestors did. That is why the Lord left those nations in place. He did not quickly drive them out or allow Joshua to conquer them. God can use that which is righteous and unrighteous. People were created for good silverware, for good use, and others were created for destruction. I mean, we got to wake up. Who are we? We're just mere created beings. Who are we to question God? We're to follow him. We're to honor him. We're to love him. I mean, again, these people, the hearts of, of, of these people are a reflection of the hearts of all people. We're all born into sin. We're all born into sin. 
and apart from God, that's how we'll stay. The difference of this covenant and the covenant that Jesus came and initiated, (laughs) he's the Messiah. The appointed time when he was born (laughs) and all that he accomplished through his life, through his death, through the resurrection, that God came to deliver his people. And there's a day that he's returning for his people. And until that day, we're not to be called sleeping. Awake, awake, we'll sleep. We got to we got to be about our father's business. We got to remain steadfast and endure. We got to remain pure. Come on. I know we like to say and I've said it before and I know it's so common among us. Well, I'm just a sinner. That's all I do is sin. That is my nature. And I say people, when I'm sharing with them and talking with them and counseling them, have you not accepted Jesus? Because you talk more about your sin than you do your Savior. You, you got to allow your mindset to be renewed. You're a child of God. You're no longer a slave to sin. No, you have been transformed. You're not just to give up so easily. Doesn't mean you won't sin. I mean, First John tells us, I write to you so that you will not sin, but if you do. And like I've always told us, we all have a sad story but we should stop carrying on about our sad story and start sharing his story. No. Will you sin? Yes. But would you stop claiming rights to your old nature and exalting that above God and the new nature that is found in Christ? You have been given the Holy Spirit, God and himself in you, dwelling in in you. He's your comforter. He's your guide. He's your teacher. He empowers you. He's gifted you. And I look at the early church and I think we've, we've lost sight of, of who our brothers and sisters are and were. I mean, could you imagine? They would not have been able to accomplish all that they accomplished if all they did was look back. Huh. No. They were strength from on high. So I don't know what sin so easily entangles you, but do what the Bible says. Throw it off. Throw it off. These people choose to continue, kept choosing to continue to go back. They kept choosing to, to, to interact and, and to, to just be about everything that was set before them instead of being about their God. And they lost sight of who their God was. So these are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. Chapter 3 is where I'm at. He did this to teach warfare. God, I love this. 
to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. Oh, are you sharpening your sword daily? <laughs> are, are, are you gaining ground in spiritual warfare? Are you maturing? Are you growing? If not, you're going to be slayed. The enemy's going to run rampant all around you and in you and through you. <laughs> no, no, no. Take that which God has given you and mature in it. Grow in it. So he lists all of these other nations that were left there among these people. I'm picking up in verse 5. So the people of Israel lived among all of these ites, and then they begin to intermarry with them. Israelite sons marry their daughters, and Israelites' daughters marry, were given to marriage to their sons, and the Israelites served their gods. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God. Again, there's that phrase. And they served the images of Baal and the Asher poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to this king. I'm not going to butcher his name. And the Israelites served this king for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, praise be to God for his mercy, he raised up a rescuer to save them, and his name was Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against this king, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. And look how this ended here. So there was a peace, so there was peace in the land for 40 years. Peace in the land. These people were no longer distressed. The judge was raised up, Othniel. He went to battle. He overthrew the king. So now there was peace in the land. But Othniel died. So once again the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Amorites and the Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, and the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. Look who they're serving. <laughs> but when the people of Israel, look at this, cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gera, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver them, I'm sorry, deliver their tribute money to the king Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double daggered edge dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back, he came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet. And he sent them all out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool, in a cool upstairs room. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And King Eglon rose from his seat. 
Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger, um, strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger, and the king's bowels emptied. Then Ehud closed the lock and the doors of the room, and look at this, and escaped down the latrine. After Ehud was gone, the king's servant returned, servants returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought, oh, he might be using the latrine in the room. So they waited, but the king didn't come out after a long delay. They became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the doors, they found their master dead on the floor. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the stone idols on his way to Seir. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud sounded the call to arms. Then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. So they followed him, and the Israelites took control of the shallow crossings of the Jordan River across from Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites and killed about 10,000 of their strongest and most able-bodied warriors. No one, not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was peace in the land for 80 years. And then after Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel, and he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox gold. Not much written about um, Shamgar. It's about it. But look at all that that's taken place. It's those cycles that we're seeing through the book of Judges. And it's those cycles that we see in our lives today. If we would just serve the Lord, love the Lord, honor the Lord. <laughs> he is faithful. He's faithful to himself. You see, it's not about a works-based salvation. It has nothing to do with your works. It has all to do with Christ and what he has accomplished. But faith without works is dead. Your salvation in Christ produces within you something in and of yourself you don't have. I told you over and over, you did not wake up one day and say, oh, today I'll choose Christianity, I'll choose Christ. No, 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 no. God, God, he created you, he knows you, he's purposed you, he chose you. So come out from the dead and into life. Honor God, you all. We don't have to stay in this vicious cycle. This Christian life can be lived. Remember what I said earlier, if you walk habitually, that's what the Bible tells us in the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Mature, grow. Go to Luke chapter 22, verse 14 through 34. Luke chapter 22, verse 14 through 34. Luke 22. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink a wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks for, to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting around us as friends, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, in this, I'm sorry, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. You have stayed with me and in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, each of you, like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you ever know, that you, that you even know me. These are Jesus' words. We're going to take communion before we finish our, our lesson today. But I want you to think about what Jesus just said and what we just heard. He's preparing them. And I can't encourage us enough to be kingdom-minded, you all. To be kingdom-minded. And I can't help but see the encouragement in these scriptures today for the people of God. For those who are in Christ, and listen, if you're not in Christ, as I keep saying, I don't know what you're waiting for. You're choosing to remain outside when God is calling you in. So stop your rebellion, turn to Christ, repent, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. Have that bold confession, that strong belief that He is the Son of God and that He's risen from the dead. And you were born again. Come into his kingdom. Stop remaining on the outside. And I don't know about you, but did you see his interaction with Peter? 
Peter. And it's not just that Peter, Satan didn't just ask for Peter. And I think a lot of people think it's just Satan asked for Peter. But if you really look at scripture, it says right here, he asks to shift each of you like wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. But look, don't miss those, those next words. So when you have repented, so I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. But Peter, you're going to fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, look at this hope. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Because you're going to fall hard. But get up. Get up. That's the hope. So I don't know where everyone is at today because everyone can come in and, and okay, yeah, praise God, praise God. There may be hidden sin among us. There may be re active rebellion going on. Sinful, sinful nature is just out of control. You are denying Christ. Jesus, our great intercessor, is praying for us. Repent. And when you repent and you turn to him again, what do you do now? Strengthen your brothers. But isn't it about me? Isn't it about me, myself, and I? No, 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 no. Get over yourself. Get up from where you've been. Receive from me and go forth and be about my business. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen others. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Get up and serve Christ. I'm going to play a song of worship. Norman, would you pass out communion? And which I don't know who's downstairs, but you can make your way downstairs. And for those who may be watching, if you have your stuff ready, don't take it until I um, bring us together to take it. But allow these words to be sung over you to just kind of reflect. And if there's active sin in your life, oh, please repent. Turn to him as we prepare to take this in remembrance of him. If I can't see a thing
first time. So many bodies broken. But Jesus, your body was the only one broken for all of mankind. Your body was the only one broken that changed eternity. You told your disciples to do this in remembrance. What we hold in our hands is just a symbol, just a physical representation, just to help us remember. But you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us remember the gravity of what you did for us that day, Jesus. When you chose to lay down your life to allow your body to be broken so eternal payment could be made so even in the quietness of this moment I pray that our minds can have even the small realization that we are capable of, of the gravity of that sacrifice. And we come to you with a grateful heart. And we do this in remembrance of you. Take the bread. Roger, would you pray over the cup? Lord, your word says that we're to uh, eat of your flesh and drink of your blood. Um, yeah, we dedicate this remembrance to you, your blood is shed for us. Psalm 92 and 93. And as I've been encouraging us as we're going through the book of Psalms, these writers and these psalmists pen these words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're encouraging us to look up, no matter what their circumstances were, no matter what was going on in their life, they poured out their hearts, and then they call us to look up. They call themselves to look up, to remember their God. And oh, how I pray that as we'll continue to go through the Bible, that we will get to know our God. <laughs> that we will love Him. That we will continue to look up. And that no matter what may come before us, or what may encamp itself around us, God is greater. God is good. And God is for us and is not against us. Look at Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises 
to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, come on, and your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-string instrument and harp and the melody of a lair. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. O Lord, what great works you do. How deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton would not know and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oils. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Psalm 93. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Your throne, O Lord, has stood for, um, from time and, and, and memorial. Oh my goodness, memorial. You yourselves are from the everlasting past. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. Your royal laws cannot be changed. You reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. Our God reigns, you all. Yet though the wicked prosper, and they seem to be flourishing, God is greater. And God's plan will come to pass, and His rule and His reign will never end. Go to Proverbs, two nuggets of wisdom for you to end with. Proverbs 14, verse 1 and 2. Proverbs 14, verse 1 and 2. Two nuggets of wisdom. A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down, look at this, with her own hands. And those who follow the right path fear the Lord. Those who take the wrong path despise Him. So which one are you, uh, which one are you today? Listen to that. Those who follow the right path fear the Lord. And those who take the wrong path despise them. Oh, how I pray today that you fear the Lord, that you are in Christ, and that you are seeking Him above all. I'm going to close this with this last song of worship, and then I'll close us in prayer.
Of the Lord.